0: Welcome to the 23rd episode of the Kale podcast. Today is going to be a little bit of a different episode because we didn't have any fights last week. So today we're going to be taking a look at John Jones and we're going to be talking about what he wants in terms of pay to fight Francis Ngannou because that has pretty much been the largest story of last week and that story is going to carry into next week and I think it's going to carry on for a while here. And then... After that, we're going to be talking about some of the most recent fight announcements that we've seen, as there were a lot, a lot of fight announcements that took place last week. Then after that, we're going to look forward to next week's card, which is Marvin Vittori versus Darren Till. So, to start off, we have John Jones, and he wants to be paid. Now, this is a difficult situation for everybody involved. It's difficult for John. it's difficult for the UFC, and it's difficult for the fans. Because we're we're in a position here where it's hard to know exactly what John is asking for. We don't know how much money he wants. Um, we don't know how much we want to be. He wants to be guaranteed, and we don't know how much he wants to be based off pay per view performance. Um, these are all questions that we're not really getting the answers to. But what we do know is the first numbers that John threw around were he, the he said. The Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder match was the match where he was looking at in terms of boxing and saying he should get paid like those guys did. Now, um, the reported numbers for Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder are that they got paid $5 million to show, basically, and then they got $20 million from pay-per-view, so they both ended up walking away with $25 million now it's unclear if John is asking for 25 million guaranteed or if he's asking for that 5 million guaranteed and then getting the pay-per-view points off the back like those guys did but that's a really reasonable number to ask for and I don't think that the UFC would shy away from giving John 5 million guaranteed with the pay-per-view incentives that would match the similar incentives that Fury and Wilder got. I don't think those are numbers are too far out there. Um, after that, his coach, Mike Winklejohn, said that he would expect China to get paid $50 million. Now we're getting starting to get out there into some crazy land territory because I don't know if the UFC will be able to match that. Um, so right now, we still don't really have answers to the questions that we had last week um john jones we don't really even know what he's aiming for when john has said tyson versus fury numbers and then his coach comes out and says he wants 50 million so we're already getting conflicting reports and i'm not really surprised i imagine that's what we're going to continue to get i don't think we're going to see a lot of answers here relatively soon um Every time John says something, that seems to change within 24 hours and he's on to something else. So, it's kind of hard to negotiate when John is all over the place with what he wants. It's hard for the UFC to match John's um, wishes here. Now, here's the two things that I'm noticing from this is, one, I think John is asking for guaranteed money and he doesn't want those pay-per-view points off the back. Um, I think that's mainly because of how his pay-per-views have done in the past. John Jones is historically not a great pay-per-view salesman. We, we saw his, his highest pay-per-views are against Cormier, which DC and John was built up to be an all-time great rivalry. And I saw that one of those Cormier fights did 860K on the pay-per-view, um, if you look at some other numbers, his all his fights against, when he headlined with Smith, Anthony Smith, his headlines with Reyes, and against Santos, none of those really sold very well. Um, and I think that's probably why John isn't asking for more pay-per-view points, despite the fact that he thinks this is going to be a really good fight. He's asking for that guaranteed money with probably limited money off the back end of the pay-per-view. Um which could help the UFC make this deal. It could hurt the UFC in making this deal because you it's hard to know exactly where the UFC's head is at with this because they're not going to come out and tell you anything. But if you're thinking about this from both perspectives, you have John, who, if he doesn't want the pay-per-view points, that's great for the UFC if it sells a lot. If it goes out there and it sells 1.5 million pay-per-views, then, you know, this would be... Um, great for the UFC if John didn't ask for pay-per-view points. Now, if he does ask for pay-per-view, or if he doesn't ask for pay-per-view points and that goes out there and does 850 like him versus Cormier did, then we're once again the UFC is not making that much off of a John Jones pay-per-view in comparison to their other pay per views So, it's really hard to know exactly what's going on here when both sides aren't um, 100% transparent with what's going on. Um, the other thing I will say here is I'm surprised that John Jones has not made an effort to unionize. Considering John Jones is one of the, the one of the leads on Fighter Pay, I would expect John to be more vocal about unionizing, but John has not at all. So that means it pretty much just looks like John is looking out for himself and he's not really interested in unionizing with other fighters which I think if you truly want to do something about fighter pay unionizing would be the number one way to do that if you look at other sports the the players association of every, every league has done significant things and they hold a significant amount of say in the doings of these other major league sports and the UFC doesn't have that association, so there isn't really anyone taking the side of the fighters. And I think a union could um a union could really give the fighters an upper hand in negotiations and can help them in negotiations and make sure that they are represented in things like the Reebok deal and things like the Venom deal, which we will talk about later. Things like the ESPN deal. Make sure that the fighters have more say in those types of things. And that is just something that John, from what we've seen, John is very vocal about these types of things. So the things we've seen on Twitter from John, it looks like he hasn't made an effort to unionize, which I think would be interesting if he did. And I think that would help his case in the eye of the fans. A lot of the fans are calling John greedy. And whatever side that you stand on that, whether you find John to be greedy or not greedy for asking for more money, um, I think you could get some of those more of those descending fans on board that think he's being greedy. If you unionize, that pretty much takes greed out of it because you're helping others rather than just John helping himself. So I think he could get more pull from the fans because he's not a very liked guy across the fan base. But I think he could gain some fans if he decides he wants to be the leader on this uh, fighters union. Because frankly, this fighters' union hasn't really gone anywhere because we haven't seen any big name fighters take a stand for the union. Um, all the big names that we've seen have has been and from guys who are retired. We haven't seen any active fighters do it, and I think John Jones would be someone who gets a lot of mainstream press, so that could help the UFC if someone like John decided to take a stand on that unionization issue but um moving on from unionization i think that was just a quick little thing i wanted to add in there the the main problem we're going to have with john in this fight is that the ufc probably isn't going to be over eager to give john this francis and ganu fight with all the stakes that it has if john is able to go out there and beat francis he then has the heavyweight belt and if john jones has a heavyweight belt that raises a lot of problems for the company because if John is sitting out here negotiating this hard tape for this Francis fight, imagine what he's going to do once he has the heavyweight belt. He's the, the company would be putting John in a position of having so much more leverage if he were able to get that heavyweight belt. It's a lot harder to negotiate from where John is now because if he walks away, it doesn't really take that much away from the UFC. It obviously takes some things away, but it's not as bad as if John were to win that heavyweight belt and then ask for more money, and then him not get that money, and then walk away, and then we'd think that the best heavyweight fighter is not the heavyweight champion. And that could be very damaging for the UFC, and marketing those heavyweight title fights further would be more difficult. So, I would be interested to see if the UFC gives John this fight just for that sole reason. Obviously, if Francis wins, those concerns go away, but... Um, we're in a position now where John would have so much more leverage and so much more power over the UFC if he gets to that belt and he would be able to negotiate for even higher numbers than what he's asking for now. So um, that could come into play here. That could be a major factor in getting Derek Lewis this fight instead of John Jones because the UFC may not want to risk giving John all that leverage and having him, having him have a lot of power in future negotiations. So those are just some things to think about in this John Jones situation. It's a very tricky situation because, like I said, you we're not gonna hear details from either side. We're gonna hear some details from John, but it's always hard to piece a piece together a story from just things you're hearing from John Jones, as he doesn't give you the most detail and he always doesn't usually do it with the most honesty. So another thing on Fighter Pay here is we have the Venom deal coming into effect this Saturday. It will be the first deal under the Venom deal as the Reebok deal has expired. So this is interesting because we've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of pushback on the Venom deal already from social media, and we haven't seen what the fight kits or anything are going to look like. Just from the fighter pay perspective, we have seen slight increases in the the way the the sponsorship structure works is champions get a certain amount of money um, and then the contenders get a certain amount and then experience. So fighters with one through like six fights get the same amount of money and then like six through nine or something like that. Um, so you pretty much get money based off if you're a title title holder, title contender. If you and how many fights you have in the UFC, that pretty much determines how much you make off the Reebok or now Venom deal. But we have seen these numbers go up a couple hundred to a couple thousand in each category. Um, Now, the big critique is that the UFC did this and the fighters aren't getting paid more. And people are really, really criticizing the UFC for this. However, it looks like the UFC did fairly well on this deal in comparison to the Reebok deal in terms of getting getting money into the fighters' hands because this first Reebok deal we had was big money and I think about half of it went to the fighters and the other half went to the UFC or whoever. And now we are seeing where Venom has increased the fighter pay, albeit a little amount, but the overall cost of the deal is much less. The deal, the, the Reebok deal was like $600 million or something like that, or $700 million. And it sounds like this Venom deal is not going to be that expensive. And the fighters are still getting paid more. So it looks like the fighters are getting a higher percentage of the money in that deal. So that is something that the UFC has done to... Um, kind of increase fighter pay in a way, so the fighters are getting a higher percentage of that Venom deal than they did last time with the Reebok deal. So it may not be what everyone is wanting in terms of fighter pay increasing, but we are seeing some, um, we are seeing some improvements and some changes. And I don't think all these changes on fighter pay are going to come in a day. It's going to be over a long period of time. So when we are seeing small increases and some small changes those are all positives as long as they're changes for the better that is so as long as we're still seeing these smaller changes i think those smaller changes like this will be something that eventually becomes a major growth but i think it's just going to be all in time so that's just something to look out for so i think this venom deal is a good sign over or it's a good sign to the start of some changes here financially for the fighters and then moving on we have seen the um, Endeavor has bought out the rest of the UFC so before Endeavor had like 51% or something like that Um, I'm sorry I'm not 100% for sure here with all these financial details but I'm in the I'm in the ball range here so The UFC or Endeavor owned about 51% of the UFC. There were other names because when the UFC first started, they took a lot of investors, a lot of celebrity investors. Um, I believe The Rock is one. Halle Berry was one. Leonardo DiCaprio was one, I believe. They took a lot of money from various people and in turn, they got a percentage of the company and now we are seeing the UFC Buy, or we are seeing Endeavor buy the rest of these people out and Endeavor now owns 100% of the company so that is another good sign in terms of fighter pay because for one you have 50 you had so you had about 50% of the revenue that you were making wasn't going to back to the company rather it was just going out to big name people in Hollywood now that money is going to be staying in home and at the UFC so Endeavor will be making more money and they will send and since they're making more money they will have more money to pay the fighters so that should be a positive I believe in terms of fighter pay as obviously they're going to have to start they obviously paid out a big sum of money to buy out all of those investors and it looks like since they did that they're gonna be in a little bit of debt or they're gonna have to make up some of that money obviously through the ufc so eventually i think once the once endeavor is in a good place financially and they're out of because they did just spend a lot of money like i said so once they rebuild that um financially the money they just spent i think we will see another increase in fighter pay as more of the revenue from pay-per-views and such are going into the pockets of the company rather than their individual investors. So I think that is a big positive and a big bright sign in terms of fighter pay. And that also means that Endeavor will go public as a company and the UFC will be a part of that. So that is another positive Um, from this is that the company will go public on stock exchange. And the final thing from this is now we don't have to listen to people tell Dana White that he is the reason fighters don't get paid as much is because Dana wants to keep extra money and he wants to save money. Now, Dana can pay fighters whatever he wants because it doesn't any of it doesn't come out of Dana's pocket. Dana did have a little bit of uh, stake in the company beforehand. Now, he doesn't have any. He just got bought out. So now we don't have to people say it's Dana being uh, cheap is the reason fighters aren't getting paid. And maybe that was the reason beforehand, but that's just another hurdle out of the way in getting fighters paid more. So, all positive things here, I believe. It's nice to have full control over the company because that allows for future growth and you're not giving as much money back to these people who aren't putting the money back in the company. Now you have 100% of the company and you can make. You'll have a higher amount of revenue that allows you to pay fighters more, invest back into the company. It allows for the UFC to have many other options in the future. When that will come, it's really hard to say because the numbers that um, they had to buy out all of these figures for, um, we don't know. We, they could have spent $10 billion paying out the rest of these private investors, when it could also could have been $1 billion. So it's really hard to say as to when they will get past that financial hurdle, but once they get past that hurdle of how much they just paid everyone, then the company should be in a pretty good spot for overall growth in the future. So that is all I wanted to touch on in terms of fighter pay. I know fighter pay and find the financials of the company aren't exactly the most fun thing to sit here and talk about. And they're probably not the most fun thing to listen to. Um, and that is not really my expertise anyway, is not really fight or pay in the financial side rather than the X's and O's, a little bit of the fight and uh, the marketing side of matching up who with who. And um, I have a little bit of knowledge about how the company works. So not exactly the most, my strong suit, but, Um, We touched on that a little bit, so there's a little bit of information there. Now, we had a whole host of fight announcements announced from last week. First off, we'll start. I've got them all listed here, but we will start. We'll go in um, terms of what's happening uh, next, so we'll go in in an order by date here. First off, we have Vittori versus Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland stepped in for Darren Till. That fight card is going to be a week from today. So, that will take place on this Saturday. And Kevin Holland steps in here on short notice as Darren Till breaks his collarbone. This is, a lot of people were upset that the UFC made this fight. I think this, it's really the only fight the UFC could make here. If you look at the rankings, there was nobody to fight Marvin Vittori other than Kevin Holland. The UFC was just in a really tough spot, so they ended up going with Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland accepted it after about an hour it came into play, and the UFC looked for about three days, it looks like, before they made that official. So they didn't even jump on this Kevin Holland opportunity right off the bat. Yeah, if you look at the middleweight rankings, you have... Marvin Vittori was six. So, when you're looking for guys to fight, number one, Robert Whitaker, he's booked. He's fighting Kelvin Gastelum the Saturday after. Then you have Paulo Costa at two, who had just pulled out of a fight due to injury. So, he is out. Cannonier broke his all mount. So, he is probably still recovering from that. Derek Brunson just fought, and I don't think he's one who turns around that quick. Just based off how much weight he cuts, he's a pretty big middleweight, so I don't think he has the ability to turn around that fast. Then you have Darren Till. Obviously breaks his collarbone. He's out. Then you have Vitoria at 6, Jack Hermanson at 7. Hermanson is currently booked against Esmond Shabazian. Then you have Kelvin Gaslam, who's booked against Robert Whitaker. Then you have Uriah Hall, who's booked against Chris Weidman. And then you have Kevin Holland at 10. And you can't go any further past 10 because Vittori's 6. And if you go further than 10, you have Weidman, who, like we said, was booked against Hall. You have Shabazian, who, like we said, was booked against Hermanson. Then you have Omari Akmedov and Brad Tavares, who are booked with each other, I believe. Yeah, Omari Akmedov and Brad Tavares are booked to fight each other. And then you have Sean Strickland at 15. So the UFC's hands were really tied here. Kevin Holland was the only option in all honesty they really had to go with kevin holland and that's just the way that that's just the way that played out and there really wasn't anything the ufc could do about that so i mean that's kind of tough for the ufc but kevin holland is an entertaining fighter fighter and this card will be on abc so they didn't need an entertaining fighter to headline um this one doesn't look like it's going to go too bright for kevin holland Marvin Vittori is another strong wrestler and a strong grappler. And he could use some of that grappling ability to control this fight. So this is going to be an interesting matchup coming up next week. We'll talk a tad bit more about that later when I get into next week's preview. But moving on for fight announcements. This isn't a fight. Well, it's a little bit of a fight announcement. We have Alexander Volkanovsky versus Brian Ortega. Their last fight got canceled because of covid but they are going to be the coaches for the return of the Ultimate Fighter, and then after that, films that's going to start filming sometime in this month, sometime in April. Once that is done filming, we are going to get um, Marvin. We are excuse me, we are going to get Alexander Volkanovsky versus Brian Ortega, and we're going to get that fight. So that's a little bit of a fight news, a little bit of tough news, but we will see that Ortega volkanovsky fight in the summer. And they're going to do the coaches for tough first. Now, this was kind of tough because this wasn't exactly anyone's first choice. I don't think for the Ultimate Fighter Return, a lot of people wanted it to be Usman Masvidal, Masvidal Covington, Covington Masvidal. You know, I just said the same thing, but the opposite direction. Um, Covington or Masvidal. And then or Usman Colby so those were the three big ones that people wanted to see and it just doesn't look like they could get any well they got the Usman and Masvidal fight but they can't do tough coaches on that because those two are fighting super soon that's the next pay-per-view so they'll probably be fighting while the season of tough airs So I doubt that that made sense for them from a timeline stand. You can't have them fight before um, the season airs because that wouldn't make much sense. Yeah, that is April 24th. So yeah, they're going to probably start filming mid-April, maybe late April. So you can't have those two guys fight and then coach. That'd be an awful idea. So it just didn't really work out, and they needed coaches, and they ended up going with Volk and Ortega. I think this won't be terrible. I think you're going to see a lot of good technical coaching. Ortega and Volkanovsky are two really good dudes. So I think this is going to be a cool season, but it's not going to be something like... uh, Connor versus Faber, where we got a lot of trash talk. It's not going to be one of those seasons. It should be entertaining. Hopefully, it's fun. Hopefully, it does well enough to where we can get another season and uh, then we can get some of these trash talkers or an exciting season with some interesting characters. Not saying Volk and Ortega aren't, but uh, there's a lot better stories you could do than Volk versus Ortega. I think Max versus Volk would be a really good season. Uh, just because Max is so entertaining. Hopefully, um, with more cameras on Volkanovski and Ortega, hopefully they will get some more rub in the casual audience, and hopefully um, they are entertaining. So, then moving on from that, the biggest fight announcement, well, maybe not the biggest, but the um, the strangest, we'll say it's the strangest one, is Nate Diaz is returning May 15th against Leon Edwards so this was a fight we were looking at recently where it didn't look like this fight was going to happen because Nate Diaz didn't know who Leon or claimed he didn't know who Leon Edwards is but eventually they settled on this fight for Nate Diaz and it's going to be a five round co-main event on UFC 262 so we're good that card is going to be absolutely stacked we're gonna be going from five rounds of Edwards versus Diaz into the lightweight title fight of Michael Chandler versus um, Charles Oliveira. Also on that card, we have Tony Ferguson versus Benil Dariush. We have Edson Barbosa versus Shane Burgos. And we have Edmund Shabazian versus Jack Hermanson. So that card's absolutely stacked. That's a great card. And So that is, that's a really interesting fight. I'm excited for that. I think that um, Nate Diaz is a little bit past his prime, but, you know, he could go out there and win. Nate Diaz wins when people expect him to win the least. So Nate Diaz has a chance here, but um, I think Leon Edwards is going to be a heavy favorite in this fight. And then... We have Bilal Muhammad versus Damian Maia. This was just announced today. That's going to take place on UFC 263, June 12th. This is, I'm assuming, going to be Damian Maia's retirement fight. That hasn't been announced. Maia said he wanted to retire against a Brazilian in Brazil. Now, this probably couldn't happen in 2021 because of all... The COVID stuff going on, obviously. So it's looking like this is probably going to be his retirement fight. It doesn't look like he's going to get that Brazil. He doesn't look like he's going to get that Brazilian in Brazil wish. But it's nice to see Damian maya book because he's just been kind of chilling in the middle of those welterweight rankings, just kind of clogging things up. So um, another interesting note here is I'm looking at these welterweight rankings, and Tyron Woodley is still in the rankings. That's an interesting thing to look at. I'm surprised he's not out of the rankings, as I don't think the UFC is going to resign him. But the fact that he's still in those rankings, um, don't count T-Wood out yet, I guess. But that is going to be on UFC 263, I believe. Yes. Yep, so that Muhammad versus Maia match. That's a really good match for below Muhammad, because I think he deserves a higher-ranked fighter, because he was able to... He was offered to go in there against Leon. Obviously, that fight didn't go his way with the eye poke. But I think you have to reward him for his willingness to step in and save that main event there. So, good for the UFC for giving Bilal Muhammad a shot that he deserves. We saw also another guy getting his shot is Dan Ige. Dan Ige, his last two fights, he had a close loss to Kelvin Cater. And then he went out there and knocked Gavin Tucker out cold in 45 seconds, I believe. So Danny Gay went out and had a great last performance, called out the Korean Zombie. He got that fight, deservedly so. And this is probably going to be a really fun fight. Danny Gay has been on the cusp of getting in that top five rankings. So he's getting an opportunity here as I think the Korean Zombie is ranked five right now. He might be at 6. Doesn't really make that big of a difference. Yeah, he's at 5. Danny Gay's at 8. So Danny Gay is getting that opportunity to go in there with someone in the top 5. This should be a fun fight. Both Danny Gay and the Korean Zombie know nothing but fun fights. So um, when you throw two guys in there who who know nothing but fun fights, you usually get a fun fight. And that's what um, I think I'm going to be predicting here. Then that's going to be headline the June 19th card. Then on June 26th, we will have Surreal Gan versus Volkov. So that is going to be a very technical fight. That's going to be headlining. I think that's going to... Most people are already chalking this up to be a boring technical fight. I think it's going to be a lot more interesting than that. Um, just off the fact that these two guys both like forward pressure. So when you it's these two guys are very technical strikers but when you put two technical strikers who capitalize off forward pressure when you put both of them in there they're going to try and forward pressure each other and they're going to stay in there and i think we're going to see a lot more entertaining of a fight than most people are predicting and then the biggest fight that we saw an announcement for was connor versus poirier the trilogy fight we saw Dustin took his or Dustin signed his bout agreement, and that is official for July tenth. And I believe Connor also signed his bout agreement. Uh, he said he did, but the UFC didn't officially announce this fight. But it is all but officially announced. All they need to do is uh get a get a poster ready, and we'll have this fight announced. Um, both guys have signed their bout agreement, so that fight will take place on July 10th. Also on that July 10th card, they added Wonder Boy versus Burns, which is a likely—I um, shouldn't say title eliminator, but for Wonder Boy Thompson, it's probably a title eliminator. So another fun fight. It's going to be interesting to see if Steven Thompson can go in there and get a win because if he can do that. It'd be pretty hard to say that he doesn't deserve a title shot. Well, I guess you would have Leon if he beats Nate Diaz. He'll probably get a title shot. So, things are starting to heat up at welterweight for sure. We're going to be seeing more of this. um, Who's Kamaru going to fight? Hopefully, Kamaru stays healthy. Because if Kamaru can stay healthy and fight two more times, that's asking a lot because he's fighting in April. So if he goes out there, fights again. So if he fights one or two more times, then or one of those could be in early 2022. It all depends on health for Kamara. But if kamayo can be active, get another fight this year, he'd be look, looking at Leon versus. You'd be looking at Leon versus Usman, then Wonderboy versus Usman, then maybe Covington versus Usman. If he can just stay active and start beating some of these top guys. Maybe Luke can work his way to a title. Maybe maybe Kiesla can. So it's looking like Kamayo is going to have no shortage of challengers here, especially if he can beat Masvidal and retain that belt. He's going to have a long line of guys ready and deserving of a title shot. So hopefully Kamayo can stay healthy and we can see that welterweight belt defended frequently um, because for Kamayo, that's about all he has to do to make himself a really great great legacy in this sport is with the guys he's already beat, if he can go out there and add Leon Edwards, add um add Wonder Boy, add someone like Luke a or Covington again, then we would see Kamaro have start getting in those pound for pound of all time discussions because he would have an absolute tremendous resume. And by that time you may see chamayev earn a title shot you may see someone else could come out of nowhere and earn a title shot you know neil magny could go on a run you know who knows so we could see we could really see kamayo start taking on some challengers here and that's just a side note for this this little thing here is you know hopefully hopefully good health to Kamaro and frequent defenses then we'll talk about vittori versus kevin holland then we'll get out of here so, this card is a very good card. Obviously, the main event, Kevin Holland as much watch TV. But, we also have Marvin Vittori, who his last fight against Jack Hermanson was a really fun fight. And, I think this might end up being a little bit similar to Vittori, or excuse me, to Holland versus Brunson. I think Vittori is going to look to get this to the ground, and he should do that because Kevin Holland showed a lack of defensive wrestling that you would be silly to not expose if you were Marvin Vittori. So I think Vittori is going to get this to the ground. And um I don't want to say dominate on the ground, but control position a lot, have a lot of control time. And, you know, we'll see how that goes from there. But if it's if it stays on the feet, Kevin Holland's got a legit chance. He's got a legit chance against anyone on the feet. He had Derek Brunson rocked in the second round. And we've seen that he's a great striker on the feet. So if Kevin Holland learned how to defend a takedown in uh, three weeks or however long it's been, then, hey, he might go out there and snag a win here. And then we have Arnold Allen versus Sadiq Yusuf, who are both top featherweights, top 15 featherweights, and they're both top prospects. If you have a young African talent versus a young English talent. So we're seeing... Two guys who really are, this all this does to me, this fight shows just shows how stacked the featherweight division is. You've got so many young prospects coming up. Yusuf and Allen, just to name a few. You've got a whole train of them coming up, too. You've got Ila Toporia. You've got Chika Kikatse, You've got Gavin Tucker. I know he just lost to Dan Ige, but this featherweight division is stacked. This is gonna be a fun fight. These two guys are must-watch TV, Sadiq Youssef and Arnold Allen. So they'll go out there and they'll put in a good that'll be a good fight. And you have Kyle Dowskis on this card, who's another great prospect going up against Alishkab Shirkonov um, not the best with Russian names. My apologies, but I do know that those are two great fighters. There's another another set of top prospects there. Then you have Sam Elvey, who is one of the most well-liked guys in the UFC, fighting Julian Marquez. That should be a fun one. We'll see how that goes. And then you have probably, in my opinion, the best female prospect in any female weight class, Mackenzie Dern. She's getting a shot against Nina Ansaroff. So that's going to be an important one to see if Mackenzie Dern can take a step up to that next level and get a win at that higher level. And you have everyone's favorite, Mike Perry. Just kidding, he's not everyone's favorite. But we do have Mike Perry against Daniel Rodriguez. So you never know what you're getting with the Mike Perry fight, but it's usually a scrap. So anytime Mike Perry fights, I expect scrap. So that's what we're that's what I'm expecting in this one. Then you have Jim Miller, all time great in the UFC going up against Joe Selecki. That should be a fun one. You've got Scott Holtzman versus Mantinez Gamrat. So we've seen a, in this we have a lot of, we have one of the best um, female prospects that was outside of the UFC, the UFC just find, signed, Aaron Blankensfield, she will be making her UFC debut against Norma Dermont, so Jack Shore is on this card, one of the best bantamweight prospects and an amazing wrestler, so this to me is a must watch card. With a lot of fights that uh, have big, big implications. We also have William Knight and Impa Kastanaganev. They are on this card. They're not fighting each other, obviously. But those are two guys who, in my opinion, are two really good prospects. Two very good guys physically. And they're both fighting talented fighters with Impa going up against Sasha Klenknekev, and William Knight going against Da Jung. So those are two good prospects in the UFC who are going up against other talented fighters. So, um, And those are the first two fights of the night. So I think this is uh probably close to every fight on here is an interesting fight in one way or another. So you got to make sure you watch this card. You got to watch the whole card. Um, that's, that's my early... That's what I'm saying for this card is that a week from today, we're going to be talking about how good this card was from top to bottom. It wasn't just top heavy with a good main event. So that should be fun. And we'll be back next week talking about Kevin Holland versus Marvin Vittoria and all the other fights on the card. We'll look at some of the news from outside of the UFC, or excuse me, from inside of the UFC, and we will discuss that. And we will look forward to what card we have after this. We've got Robert Whitaker versus Kelvin Gaslam. So, yep, we're gonna have two good weeks back to back here. Um, that's that card is also really good. So don't forget to come back next week when we discuss um, when we discuss all the action from this Vittori versus Holland card and the other news in the UFC. So thank you for watching the twenty-third episode of the Head Kit KO podcast.